And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Frazier and Dieter's Business Beat. I'm John Ray, along with my good pal, Roger Lesby. Roger. Good morning, John. How are you? I'm great. How good. are you doing? Doing fine. Good summer, right? Uh, it's almost over. Heading <laughs> heading to fall. That's right. We're, we're, we've uh, Before we melt, we'll get to fall, hopefully. But um, lots going on, and if we're going to have uh, a guest that knows what's happening with a lot going on, it would be Senator Brandon Beach because he's in the middle of a lot of stuff, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So we, we welcome Senator, uh, Georgia State Senator Brandon Beach. Brandon, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate always, it. Always glad to glad have to you. Be with you. Yeah, you're an old friend, and uh, uh, we appreciate having you. Uh, a lot going on, you know, People that are in business know better, but there are some folks maybe that don't know all the things that are going on with the the Senate when the Senate is not in session. You're working all year long. You're involved in a lot of stuff. So give us an overview of what you've been involved in. The unique thing about the Georgia legislature is we are a part-time legislature, and we are in session 40 days by Constitution. But when we're not in session, we're still working. We're doing study committees, and we're looking at issues that affect Georgia citizens. And one of the things we're doing right now is I'm, I'm involved in three study committees. The one that I think is really vitally important is uh, this Freight and Logistics Study Commission, which is a joint House and City Senate, House and Senate Study Committee. And we're looking at freight and logistics coming out of the Port of Savannah. That Port of Savannah has grown unbelievably the last 10 years and we're looking for more growth when we start taking these big uh, super tankers that are coming through and once we dredge the port of savannah and the river we're going to be able to take those and and they're saying that the truck traffic could double through atlanta so we have to look at options of getting more freight on rail using the intermodal facilities and maybe looking at a bypass through atlanta and, and looking at if truck traffic does not need to come to atlanta and it's going to Tennessee or it's going somewhere else, we need to figure out a bypass route for those 18-wheelers. So we're looking at that. Right now, we've been told that 17% of the freight coming out of the port is on rail, and uh, the rest is trucks. So we would like to get that up to 30 35%. We're working with Norfolk Southern and CSX on both those issues. We had our first meeting. Uh, Commissioner McMurray laid out our freight and logistics plan that we have. Um, and, uh, and then we also heard from the Department of Economic Development. Uh, and so next, our next meeting is in, uh, late September. We're going down to the Port of Savannah to really tour the port, to talk to the Georgia Port Authority, to see how that freight does come out of the port. Um, we are very fortunate too. That's the only port in the United States that exports more than it imports. It's the only one that exports more. That's than striking. So that there's a good balance there of trucks going in and out. So, um, but it's a, it's an economic engine for our state, and we want yep. to make sure we protect that. And I tell people all the time, we are not just the logistics capital for the southeast. When you look at where those trucks are going, we're the logistics capital of the eastern seaboard. Sure. It's going all the way up to the east coast. So we we uh, want to make sure we're taking care of that port, and we want to make sure we're still number one in logistics, and it's a big industry for our state. Yeah, wouldn't you agree, Brandon, that the Savannah port coupled with Atlanta-Hartsfield-Jackson Airport – is is just one of the biggest things that could happen to Georgia? Oh, I mean, you have two huge economic engines there with the Hartsfield-Jackson International Airport, obviously the busiest passenger airport in the world. Now, one of the things we do want to do, we're only 17th in cargo, that airport. We want to get that in the top 10. So we are looking at getting more freight in the air. 
that's one of the things we talked about in our, our first meeting. Uh, but it is, that is a huge economic engine. And then the port of Savannah, the other economic engine people don't talk about is the World Congress Center. We got a million and a half square foot of convention space. And when you have 40,000 people converge on the city, every restaurant's busy, every hotel's full. You know, it's, it's an economic engine. It's people spending money from out of state here in the state of Georgia. So those are our three. When you really look at our three big economic engines, it's the airport, the port, and the World Congress Center. Mm-hmm. So it also seems, I'm sorry, John, it also seems to me, Brandon, that the port has the ability to really ramp up economic development in areas of Georgia other than just Atlanta. Well, and that's what and we're, that could be huge. You are right on point there. I, I got to tell you, Roger, that we are working on that. We've got three intermodal facilities now that are outside of Atlanta. We've, if you look at, I, I've talked to some developers. If you look at the industrial space they're putting down there by the port, I've got a friend of mine, for example, that exports chicken uh, to China and Israel and Turkey, and he has got a freezer storage facility down in Savannah, and all that is going right out to the port of Savannah, and uh, we we export a lot of chicken. So uh, it's been a good business, and, and it's really created jobs around the Savannah, the the whole, you know, Brunswick, Savannah, Pooler area down there in Savannah, so... We're speaking with Senator State Senator Brandon Beach, and he, uh, uh, Senator Beach is also chair of the Transportation Committee for the Georgia State Senate. And this study commission, what you're trying to do here, Brandon, becomes uh, even more important as the por- port of Savannah gets deepened, right? Because Correct. that business is only going to get. Um, the issue is only going to get more acute. Let's put right. it like no, that. We're, we're going to continue to grow, and it's growing now. And when we start taking those big super tankers that uh, we'll be able to take, uh, the volume is going to double, which is a good thing. It creates more jobs and creates more opportunity. But it also puts more 18-wheelers on our interstate system. Now, we're, we're doing some improvements. If you've been down to Macon, you'll see that 7516 is being worked on right now, and that's a big uh, you know, truck traffic area right there coming off the port so uh but we're looking at a bypass from macon to lagrange right Uh, that's one thing that's on the drawing boards to look at to get some of that truck traffic to bypass atlanta right which would be huge yeah it would be because i I will tell you that uh i don't know if you've ever been caught between a couple trucks on on interstate it can be a little unnerving when you're when you're driving and you've got an 18 wheeler on each side of you and one in front of you you feel a little boxed in it can be unnerving and uh, and yet we want that business because it's a it's a good business and the the logistics business is good i mean you talk about the good news is on this commission it's not just elected officials we have a executive from home depot supply chain on the commission and somebody from ups so we've got some real live experience saying hey here's what we need to do and uh, we want to make sure and i look at ups and home depot not so much as a, a, I mean, I look at them as a customer of ours. They're, they're, a, they're citizens of our state, but they're our customers. They're our businesses and they employ a lot of people. And we got to make sure we're giving them the, the resources to move their product. Well, and they represent a lot of companies that do business with them too, right? right? So exactly. suppliers, so they've, they've got a lot of different perspectives to bring to the table. So that, that's, that's outstanding. So Brandon, what, what do you see coming out of this study committee? I know that obviously the point of the committee is to look into these things and, 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 and uh, try to figure that out and you're early on, but what do you think comes out of this? Well, we're going to definitely look at trying to work with both the railroads to look at 
and there's a it's it's called the Mason Mega Rail Project down at uh, and it's named after a gentleman named Jimmy Mason who passed away who was on the uh, board of the Port Authority board um and they're going to look at expanding that and they want to get more freight on rail um and and so we're really working on that we're working on those intermodal facilities how we make those more uh competitive and then also looking at that bypass um, and I, I think that's going to be a, it's going to be a combination of all those things. The, the, it all comes down to funding and how do you fund it? Now we do have an, uh, an organization called Greta that we've never really used that I think there may be some opportunities for Greta to play a role in, uh, in the freight and logistics. Uh, when you look at transportation, we've, we've attacked uh, funding with House Bill 170 in 2015. This last year, we did the House Bill 930, which was the 13-county regional transit, creating the ATL and making sure that MARTA is not just by itself. It's it's a system that all collaborates, and it's a seamless, efficient, clean, and most of all, safe system within 13 counties. So the next thing we really have to tack is freight and logistics, and that's what we're doing. Good work. Oh. Now, another little transportation, it's not a little issue, but uh, another transportation issue that uh, we, were, we were talking off air about is that you've got a study committee going on is around scooters. You yeah. want to address that? You know, I tell you, it's, it's something that uh, they came out of nowhere, obviously. They popped up and they were everywhere uh, in the city of Atlanta. I know the city of Alpharetta banned them. Uh, I believe the city council in Atlanta made some decision late yesterday or late last night. I, I don't know exactly what they did. I know they were discussing it. I know they put a moratorium on new permits. Right. I think they uh, have nine approved companies right. or something like so, that. So uh, I don't know that they're going to go away, but we've got to figure out a way to make them safe because, um, you know, we've had three fatalities and um, – they do fly down those sidewalks and down the streets. And I saw one the other day, a car was coming out of a parking deck and couldn't even see and almost hit one. Uh, so it's, it's a very, uh, we got to figure that out from a safety standpoint. But I, I tell you the good thing they have done is that the, what I call the last mile of connectivity from a Lindbergh Marta station, you can get on a scooter and you can get to your last mile. Cause that's always been a, a point of contention is how do I get from the Lindbergh station to my job that's a mile away? Sure. And the scooters have provided that. Uber also has helped with mm-hmm. that and so on. Agreed. So, mm-hmm. so smart cities. Now you, we talked a little bit, uh, again, off air about the issue of, uh, traffic lights and some of the connectivity that's going on there, some of the new technologies that are com- coming to bear there. Maybe you can address what's going on there. Well, I, I will tell you this. The North Fulton CID just last uh, two Tuesdays ago uh, voted to grant $308,000 to the city of Alpharetta to do 44 lights within our district. We can only spend money within our district, so we're going to do 44 of them for for them and they're going to have a sensor in each light pole and and i'm not um you know technology guy i went to lsu so i'm not the smartest guy when it comes to all this but i what i will tell you is it'll allow for the connected cars that are coming off the ford assembly line in 2022 to talk to all these lights and have the sensors and i've been preaching this for a while you know i'm a transportation guy i'm an infrastructure guy but i've also been preaching 21st century infrastructure we got to make sure we got the right cable and and the right fiber in the ground we got to make sure we got the right small cells the right sensors and all the technology needed to make us a competitive uh, player in the 21st century. And we have decided to do this. Now, what it will do 
if there is an emergency, they will be able to turn the lights green for emergency vehicles at all times during that emergency. And they will be able to get to the scene, you know, minutes faster than they would if they had to wait and try to get through a signal that's, that's not green. Um, we saw it during the Super Bowl. I was down at the, um, um, command center and the New England Patriots were practicing at Georgia Tech. And even though they had a police escort, they went ahead and made all the lights green down North Avenue to their hotel and they just went straight down to their hotel, didn't stop a bit. And we can do the same thing for transit and for emergency vehicles. So there may be a part where it encourages people to take transit if they know they're going to be able to get a direct ride to their, to their destination without stopping. So. You know, uh, and you that, know, Roger. We, we, I think we should have stopped the Patriots on the <laughs> <laughs> from getting the, getting to the stadium, right? But yeah. uh, anyway, that that didn't turn out so well right. for our Falcons. But yeah. anyway, go ahead. But with those infrastructure needs, I mean, Alpharetta is the perfect city to start with. Oh and yeah, so, it is. It is. It's going to be great, and they're the technology city of the South, and they've they've really talked about that. So I think it's going to be a. Uh, it's going to be an interesting project, but it's it's uh it's going to play a part in in congestion relief and and increasing mobility. I, I think it's going to take new roads, bridges. It's going to take technology. It's going to take transit. It's going to take a combination of everything for us to really combat our our congestion. And this is a, a start in the right direction. So, staying along the theme of of transportation, um, maybe you can update our North Fulton listeners. On the uh, on my favorite interchange, which is four hundred and two eighty five. Well, that's coming along good. I mean, it 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 started, then it kind of ran into a little delay in the weather and so on. But now it's full blast, and uh, we're looking good. And we hope to have that open in the next uh, twelve to fourteen months. And then we're going to start construction on the new lanes all the way up to McFarland mm-hmm. Road. Two new lanes northbound, two new lanes southbound, and then a hundred million dollars of investment in the middle lane for bus rapid transit with five stops. Uh, so I think you'll be very impressed with that and, uh, you'll be able to have some transit opportunities up, up to, uh, windward. So are they on schedule or and ahead of schedule? No, they're, they're, they're back on schedule now. Okay, good. So it's, it's moving forward. And I will tell you that, uh, I think these new lanes that, that are going to be built, they'll be completed in 2024, which seems like a long time, but really, you know, we're almost in, you know, we're in 2020 yeah. right down the road. Uh, so in four years, we will have two new lanes northbound, two new lanes southbound, and again, the bus rapid transit with five new stations, which will make a huge impact. I can tell you that the north by northwest corridor, the 30 miles of reversible lanes, has been a huge success for Cobb County and Cherokee County. People are getting home 20 minutes earlier. Even in the general purpose lanes, they're saving time if they don't get on the lanes because it's taken you know, uh, taking cars off the general purpose lanes. And and here's the unique thing about 400. There is no more reverse commute. There's as much traffic going northbound and southbound in the mornings and the afternoons. So that's why we had to go ahead and do two new lanes on each side. So it will really make a difference because they're not reversible. So we'll see a, a huge, huge impact on that. So we're, we're really excited about that. That's a billion eight project. And then why that's going on, we will start the top end of 285, which is a $4.6 billion, $4.6 billion project from 75 to 85, adding new capacity on that. Right. Because as you said countless times, our, our biggest issue in this town is going east to west. Oh, yeah. East-west connectivity. Mm-hmm. So, but we're working on that too. We're doing a new interchange at McFarland Road. I mean, at McGinnis Ferry Road and 400 and adding, uh, 
uh, new capacity from 400 to Johns Creek Hospital, Emory Johns Creek Hospital. So when it's four lane from there to Emory Johns Creek, then it'll be four lane all the way to 85. So you'll have four lane access from 85 to 400 on Old Milton and on McGinnis Ferry, which should help and Holcomb Bridge. Down. Right. So you'll have really kind of three ways to get east-west over to 85. Yeah, and our cities and the leadership up here have been working together, which has helped. Oh, yeah. No, it's been – let me tell you something, Roger. The, the, the thing I'm most proud of, I've been involved since my days at Greta, GDOT, and now in the Senate. So probably 18 years I've been involved in transportation. I have never seen the spirit of cooperation between the agencies. I mean, it used to be when I first got started, MARTA didn't talk to Greta, Greta didn't talk to ARC, ARC didn't talk to GDOT. Nobody talked to each other. Now they're all sitting around the table, all the agency heads. They all go to lunch. They all have each other on speed dial. They all talk to each other. And it's really refreshing to see that they're looking at it through the lens of the, the citizen, the customer. How can we make transportation better as a whole for our customer? I think the best example of working together was the night of day 40 two years ago when the bridge burnt down. We had Marta, Greta, GDOT, C.W. Matthews, the governor, everybody around the table saying, we got to get this thing rebuilt. And we we rebuilt that bridge in 43 days. Yeah, amazing. Now, that shows you when the federal government gets out of the way with permitting and environmental studies and all the stuff, we can get roads built. And I'll tell you one quick funny story on that. I had a lady call me and said, Senator, do you think that bridge is safe? Y'all built it in 43 days. I said, ma'am, that thing's been inspected, inspected, and re-inspected. It is safe. But the problem is we've conditioned people to think it takes two years to build a bridge. Sure. And it doesn't. If we want to get roads built, we can get them built if government would get out of the way. And that's one of the things I've been preaching uh, for the last few years is let's streamline these regulations. I'm all for the environment, but when it takes seven years to do an environmental study, that's just too long. I mean, we should be able to do the study within eight to 12 months, and then if you don't find anything, there's really nothing there to find. Let's get on with the project. We're speaking with Senator Brandon Beach, and he's the uh, chair of the Senate uh, Georgia Senate Transportation Committee, and also the head of uh, the uh, North Fulton CID. And Brandon, I want to just circle back around. To, you were talking about the work uh, with stoplights here in the Alpharetta area, and that you that this is going to happen within the territory of CID. You've just given a nice commercial to why folks ought to be in CID, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. because they get this, these are the kind of benefits you get from being a CID member. Well, that and we also voted last two Tuesdays ago for three hundred fifty thousand dollars for three new bus shelters on the MARTA line, and we have a process now. If you're within the CID, you can apply to get a bus shelter in your in in at your place of business mm-hmm. uh and then we will review them so and make sure that marta's okay with them and so on but um so we're investing in transit I, I tell you the cid has put a lot of investment in infrastructure over the last 16 years we've been in business i mean when you look at we've got a million eight right now in the uh the third triple lane uh triple f lane for windward that's being under being built right now it's under construction if you see right there all the way in front of cracker bear all the way to deerfield sure that's a cid project we've got west side parkway built we had a million eight in that we and we got 25 million in return so we got a good return on our investment but what we do is we jump start a lot of projects we get them shovel ready we get them ready to go and then we go to gdot or to the feds and ask for the money uh, to build the construction and we're doing that i'll tell you another project that we're real close to breaking ground on is davis drive from papa Doze at, at dead 
that ends there. And then it, we're going to build it through to Top Golf so you don't have to cut through the cooler or Sam's to get over to Papa Do's or, or so on. So uh, that project should be under construction in the next four to five months. Maybe explain to our listeners how the CID concept works yeah, with the local businesses. I it, think that would be good. It's a self-taxing for just commercial property, no residential property. And we're at three mills. We bring in about $3.8 million a year, and then we leverage that. We're a very lean staff. It's just me and two others. And we leverage that money to do road projects. And we do the environmental. We do the design. We do the um, uh, engineering. We get it all ready to where then it's ready to go. Because a lot of times what happens is you can go down to GDOT, and at the end of the year, the end of the fiscal year in June, they've got to spend that money. And if you say, i got a project ready, you get the money. And so we have been very good about making sure we've got projects in the pipeline that are ready to be built, and that's what we've done. And we've been very fortunate to get that money. Um, you know, and, and I will tell you, GDOT has taken the attitude, if you have skin in the game, they're going to prioritize you as a, a, a you know, community that's really investing in infrastructure, and that's helped us a lot too. Plus, they want to invest in North Fulton because – you know, a lot of jobs up here and economic development. And uh, there's a direct correlation between infrastructure investment and economic development. I've learned that. So, we're, Again, we're speaking with Senator Brandon Beach, uh, state senator for uh, here in Georgia. One issue that's been floating around for a while is the whole issue of gaming, sports betting. Why don't you update us on where all that, you, all that stands as you see it? Well, I, th I think what really started to drive this was the Hope Scholarship. I mean, we've addressed gambling 27 years ago when we passed the lottery. We have gambling. And in my opinion, it's probably the worst form of gambling because it, it really preys on the worst of the worst, number one. Number two, uh, the odds are 300 million to one to win, and it doesn't create a job. The same person that is selling beer and cigarettes at a C-store just presses a button and gives you a ticket, whereas with casino gaming or horse racing, it would really create economic development. It would create thousands of jobs and so on. But it would also help fund the HOPE scholarship. When my daughter went to Georgia 12 years ago, she got 100% of the HOPE. Right now, if your son or daughter is going to Georgia, they're getting 70% of the HOPE. And it's just the, the, the math. You do the math. We've grown as a state. We've got more students going. And the, the lottery's been right at a billion, billion one every year. It's, it's, it's staying where it's at, but it's not growing. So you either have to figure out another revenue stream or you have to have less of hope uh, or you have to raise the standards of hope. And it's already hard to get in Georgia and Georgia Tech. So our standards are pretty high. Um, so we were just looking at it from a revenue stream of how we get that hope back up to 100%. Um, and again, we have gambling. Chantel and I got in our car the day after Christmas and went up to Murphy in Cherokee, North Carolina. 85% of the license plates were from the state of Georgia. People are going to North Carolina, and we're funding North Carolina's education system when we should be able to do that here. And again, I, I, it's not a, I don't really gamble, and it's, I don't look at it from a moral standpoint in the sense that we've already addressed it. We have gambling here. We have the lottery. So, and I can tell you sports betting, as uh, Roger mentioned, the Washington Redskins are already doing it up in Washington. The state of Tennessee just passed it. I think eight other states have passed sports betting. The NFL, Major League Baseball, and NBA are, are, are going to demand that we have some form of sports betting at the arenas because they've got to attract fans. They have to have interactive opportunities at the stadium 
for their fans to want to come and watch the sports. Sure. Because when you can sit at home and watch it on your 60-inch HD TV and not fight traffic and not pay $5 or $6 for a beer, you got to have a reason to go to those games. And and that's what the NFL, NBA, and, and Major League Baseball, they want to get fans in the stadium uh, besides the TV revenue they receive, and they know that that's one way to do it. I know in London they do this mm-hmm. sports betting at the stadium on soccer and different events. So – um, so I think sports betting is going to drive it. And if we're going to look at sports betting, we might as well look at horse racing and casino gaming and look at a whole package. Because one of the things the sports betting does, it does not generate a lot of revenue for the state. It generates a lot of revenue for the NBA, NHL, and, uh, NFL, and, and Major League Baseball, but it does not generate a lot of money for the state as far as hope scholarships and so on. So, uh, but casino gaming and horse racing does. And the other thing about horse racing, I would say, is a lot of people say it's a dying sport, but it's 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 done very well in the last few years. But it creates a lot of jobs south of of the city of Atlanta. If we had the track here, the real money's in the horse farms, the breeding, the hay farms, uh, the auctions. That's where the real money in horse racing is. Um, so, and, but you can't have a breeding program if you don't have a track. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense, but it sure. And I'm not an expert on this, but I've just been told that if you want to have a Georgia bred program, you have to have the racetrack to really have that happen. Alabama had a racetrack, but they didn't have a breeding program and they failed. The breeding program is really what sustains the, the racetrack. Makes perfect sense. And uh, you make a great point that we can call a lottery a lottery or we can call it what it really is gambling. I mean, that's really what it is folks. Yeah. I mean, so, um, uh, we, we might as well t- t- make a smart look at all this. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so you're, uh, we, we've got to get this out there. You are running for Congress. So yes. what, what led to you making that decision? Well, I tell you why I'm running, I'm running on infrastructure. I think, you know, when you look at the candidates in the race, we are, all of us are for less taxes, less regulation. We're pro-life. We're pro-Second Amendment. But what differentiates us? And, and that's where I come in. And I think that my expertise or my knowledge and my kind of my niche of being involved in transportation for the last 18 years uh, is is the reason I'm running. I, I can tell you every time you uh, pour a gallon of gas in your car, pump a gallon of gas in your car, 18.4 cents goes to Washington. And when it gets up there, it becomes federal dollars. And then when we try to draw that money down, we have to go through at least 22 steps, sometimes more, to, to draw that money down, okay? We actually did a study on a project that we did with federal dollars up at 575 and uh, Rope Mill Road, Rock Mill Road, where the uh, new outlets are up there in Cherokee County. And I was on the GDOT board, and we tracked it. And and 49 cents of the dollar went to to paperwork and red tape and bureaucracy. Only 51 cents of that dollar went to actual road construction. So if we could eliminate some of that red tape, we could have built two interchanges. You follow me? And I can tell you, I learned when we built uh, Westside Parkway and Johnny Isaacson was a congressman and he got us $4.6 million of an earmark when we built that road from Mansell Road to Topgolf or Sanctuary Park. And we went from two lanes to four lanes. It took us 11 years to build that project because we took federal dollars and they found an endangered species in that little creek, Folk Killer Creek, which wasn't as wide as this table. And it stopped the project for seven years. Okay. So we ended up wasting seven years basically from an economic development opportunity. And the project went from 16 million to 25 million. We'd been better off not to take the 4.6 million. At the time, we didn't know. 
But to put that in perspective, John, when Eisenhower uh, came back from the war, he wanted to move some troops from Virginia to Texas, and he couldn't do it. He said, we got to have an interstate system. From 1956 to 1970, we built 46,000 miles of interstate in the United States. We couldn't do that today. It, we're too bogged down in regulation and red tape to build roads. And I'm going to tell you, our infrastructure is crumbling. Now, a lot of people say you're running on infrastructure. That's not a sexy issue, and it's not a sexy issue, but it's something we need to be concerned about. When bridges are – we've got 15,000 bridges in the state of Georgia. 4,200 of them are deficient, F-rated. And we've got to get our, our current infrastructure in, in shape, but then we've got to build new infrastructure. We're driving on a system right now that Eisenhower built for 200 million people. Our population is 300 million people, and we have not added any new capacity from an interstate standpoint. And in 47 years, I'll be dead and gone, but my grandchildren will be here. We're supposed to be at 500 million people in 47 years, and we'll be driving on a system that was built for 200 million people. We have got to invest in infrastructure, and I think I've got some ideas that I can go up there and we can streamline some of the process and and get infrastructure built. And I will commit to you this one thing. I will never vote to spend billions of dollars in Afghanistan and Iraq to build roads when my constituents in the 6th District are sitting in traffic. That is ridiculous. We will stop that. We will rebuild our roads here in America before I'll send money over there to rebuild roads for them, period. Roger, it's refreshing to hear somebody talk about investing in future generations, right? Because we've all got kids and grandkids. We do. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, Senator, thank you so much for all you you. do, and thank you so much for being on our show this morning. Well, thanks for having me, and thank you all for what you do, and thanks, Frazier Dieter, for what you do. i got to just plug them for just a second. got to tell you, he came to me years ago and said, I want to come to Alpharetta. He joined our chamber. He became a chairman circle member, ended up being chairman of our chamber, got involved in Encore Park for the Arts, got on the board at Amphitheater, got involved in that got involved in this community, and now he's grown that organization. They've got a great new building right there uh, at Avalon, and uh, they didn't have any business when they really came up here. I think you had a few accounts, but you have really grown your business up here in North Fulton, and it's just a great example. If you come here and you get plugged in and you decide you want to do business in North Fulton, there's a lot of business up here, and he's a a glowing example of what what he did, and and Frazier and Dieter owes him a lot because he single-handedly has built Frazier and Dieter's business up here in North Fulton. Well, I don't know about that, but you're certainly right on the comments, (laughs) and uh, uh, we thank all the businesses up here. It's a great place to do business. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you for what you've done for our community. Yeah, and thanks to uh, thanks to both of you. And uh, as as Brandon uh, set me up, I wanted to just remind everyone that Frazier and Dieter is an award winning national CPA and advisory firm with deep technical expertise and an even deeper dedication to their clients. Their CPAs and advisors believe in investing in relationships to make a difference. For more information, go to FraserDieter.com. Roger, this one this has been a great one. We could have gone on, gone on a while. Yeah, it was very easy. So uh, <laughs> thank you, everybody, for participating. Absol- thank you. Thanks Absolutely. For having me. Yeah. A uh, special thanks to uh, uh, Senator Brandon Beach for being with us. And for my uh, co-host here, Roger Lesby, join us next time here on Frazier and Dieter's Business Beat. Mm-hmm.